Fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market, laissez-faire, capitalist society allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome into a Friday here on The Voice of Reason, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country on radio, TV, live streaming, and broadcasting. Great to have you along for the ride today. You finally made it to the end of the week, and boy, do we have a show lined up for you today. There's so much to talk about. Apparently... There are very few Americans that are actually paying taxes anymore. I know that's a shocker for some to say, but with the COVID-19 bailouts, with some of the social programs that we've had, apparently no one's paying taxes anymore. As according to CNBC, 57% of U.S. households not even paying any federal income taxes. COVID took that toll on the economy. But remember, Joe Biden created 60 million jobs in this nation. We'll get to that here in just a minute. Great to have you along. What a program we had yesterday with two wonderful guests, Dr. Robert Malone. So, got to throw it out there. We had Dr. Malone on the program. If you didn't catch it, you can subscribe to our podcast with the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier on any of your favorite podcasting sites. I noticed that some of the podcasts actually on there weren't quite even where we normally are, which is strange for a very high-profile guest that we had on like that yesterday. But the reason was, was because I had gotten emails from numerous different listeners yesterday, last night and this morning, that the podcast didn't come up as a available podcast to listen to. And it might have been because it was censored because of the name Dr. Robert Malone, uh, which if you don't know who he is, he has like seven or nine different patents on the mRNA vaccine technology. He talks about how we're not using the vaccine as we should. You don't need to get three or four different booster shots. That's not the best way to actually boost your immune system. You don't have to get the vaccine in order for you to survive COVID-19. I mean, he's been really against what the mandates have been this entire process after creating the technology for the vaccine. So they've shut him down. They've shut down all of his social media and just about every site that he goes on or every media that he goes on, they pretty much shut that down as well. So the show yesterday, it is available, but you have to go find it because it's not popping up as available to you apparently in a lot of places, which is very strange, but yet not unexpected because of the guests that we actually had on. So you can go find it. It's on, again, any of the favorite, as long as I'm aware of it's on all of the podcasting sites with you know, Spotify and Amazon and uh, TuneIn and Google Play and uh, everywhere else where you can usually get your podcast. I'm guessing it's still on there. If it's not, let me know and you can email me, who's your media network at gmail.com. But that was a great show yesterday. We had a lot of fun with it. I am, as you can hear, I'm still getting my voice back. I feel 100% better. I'd have no issues outside of a little bit of stuffiness. I, I feel better. It's just my voice isn't there yet, and I don't know why. I've been working it. I've been drinking lots of tea. I've been trying to stretch it and exercise it, but yet here we are sounding like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I can go back into the low base and trying to win over individuals, but hey, you know, we got it. Bottom of the hour, Derek Bullen. He is uh, the author of the latest book, In Defense of Wealth, A Modest Rebuttal to the Charge that the Rich are Bad for Society. 
Again, strap in, progressives, because you're going to be triggered most of this program. No, I think that's the perfect conversation to have when we see the headline from CNBC saying that 57% of U.S. households pay no federal income tax last year due to COVID-19. Now, I want you to apply that, and we'll talk about it more in depth later, but here's a little teaser for you as we call it the radio drop or the radio tease. I want you to think about that as we see the headline just last month that we wrapped up the end of the year with a record amount of federal income tax coming into the federal government for the first six months of the fiscal year, which ended in February. So let me get this straight. The first six months in in, in ever, in all of U.S. history, we hit the record amount of tax revenue coming in from federal income tax, and 60% of the country didn't even pay any. But yet the progressives try to tell us that the rich aren't paying their fair share. We need to raise federal income tax rates. We need to raise corporation tax rates. We need to tax the evil rich and the tax the greedy and blah, 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 blah. When yet 60% of the country didn't pay any, but yet we still had record amounts of revenue coming in. I'm scratching my head at that one. Doesn't make any sense. But yet, Bernie said, does that make any sense, Bernie Sanders? It is totally absurd. I know. That's what I'm saying. We'll get to more of that here in just a little bit. What else happened this week? Obviously, we had three days, four days of hearings on the Katanji Brown-Jackson U.S. Supreme Court nomination in the U.S. Uh, in the uh, Senate committee. And we had some interesting conversations. We found out that uh, apparently we need to decipher what's okay child pornography and what's not okay child pornography and how we can just give them a little slap on the wrist as opposed to actually the fullest extent of the law, which I say castration. I don't know about you. I'm thinking that's the appropriate response to child pornography. Castration, you and I okay with that one? Uh, Apparently some are not okay with that, but hey. You know, she's all about just giving the little slap on the wrist and just moving on. But let's do a little recap of what the Democrats thought over the last couple of days in the hearings of Ketanji Brown-Jackson for the new potential Supreme Court justice to the United States. As Langston Hughes wrote, oh, let America be America again, the land that never has been yet, but yet must be the land where everyone is free. Oh, yes, I say it plain. America never was America to me, but I swear this oath America will be. That is the story of how you got to this desk. You and I and everyone here, generations of folk who came here and said, America, I'm Irish. You may say, no, Irish or dogs need to apply, but I'm going to show this country that I can be free here. I can make this country love me as much as I love it. Chinese Americans first forced into mere Slave labor, building our railroads, connecting our country, saw the ugliest of America, but they were going to build their home here and say, America, you may not love me yet, but I'm going to make this nation live up to its promise and hope. LGBTQ Americans, from Stonewall women to Seneca, hidden figures who didn't even get their play until some Hollywood movie finally talked about them and how they were critical for us defying gravity. All of these people loved America. And so you faced insults here that were shocking to me. Well, actually not shocking, but you are here because of that kind of love. And nobody's taken this away from me. So you got five more folk to go through, five more of us. And then you can sit back and let us have all the debates. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to be a well-charted Senate floor because it's not going to stop. They're going to accuse you of this and that. Heck, in honor of your person who shares your birthday, you might be called a communist. But don't worry, my sister. Don't worry. 
God has got you. And how do I know that? Because you're here. And I know what it's taking for you to sit in that seat. Wow. That was very dramatic. Spartacus. Well done, buddy. Cory Booker. Cory Booker, everybody. Standing ovation for that very emotional, getting all teary-eyed. She's sitting there wiping the tears away from her eyes. Uh, I don't know what the hell any of that actually meant. I don't know what he was talking about. Hey, you're super qualified. You worked really hard to get here. You're like super awesome. You're a rock star kind of a judge. You're going to be a great Supreme Court justice. You are a rock star. I can't wait for you to be on that court and actually do stuff. No, that was, the hell was that? That was the grand uh, gone viral speech from Cory Booker on Katanji Brown Jackson about how great she is and how she's worked hard through her, of course, race and gender because it's all about the identity politics. The LGBTQ never had an opportunity until Hollywood made a movie about them or or something. That's what was he was courageous about. So we're breaking the glass ceiling, not because of your qualifications, but because of your identity politics, because we care so much about your identity politics. Now, we've talked about it earlier in the week when they started these about how that's all they really give a crap about, which is really sad because I would feel offended. I would feel used and abused like, wow, you're really taking advantage of me, not because of the hard work that I put in, but really just because of my skin color and my gender and actually, you know, what hormones I have coursing through my body that's all you really care about the fact that i actually worked my way up to be part of this is just kind of a you know icing on the cake sort of thing for the democrats and the progressives because they don't care about that they would go find a random stranger on the side of the street with no qualifications be like well look we have our next supreme court justice as long as they fit the narrative here in kansas we have a congresswoman she's a far left democrat radical she tries to keep her head below so that way she doesn't show her true colors but uh, they chose her not because she's qualified to run for Congress, but because she's a woman, she's gay, she's Native American. They fit the boxes. She's a minority, she's an LGBTQ member, and she's a female. Perfect, let's get her in there. And she's part of the AOC squad, but she tries to keep her head low, so that way you know she doesn't get exposed for the radicalism that she actually is. How much do, I mean, here's a really big important question, if that's what they care about, and with that weird speech that made zero sense in any way, shape, or form. Here's the big question. How much do they really care about minorities then? Now we can go to the history of the Democrat Party and we can actually answer that question very easily. But I want to do something a little more recent like, oh, I don't know, a couple days ago, where according to KHN.org, kind of an NPR site, they talk about how there's been a massive increase in minority communities purchasing firearms, which we know because obviously people want self-defense, people want to be able to protect themselves. Then they turn around and say, because more minorities are purchasing firearms, there's been an increase in homicides, and there's been an increase in suicide rates among the minorities. Wait a second. Wait a second. Now, I find this, again, a very racially charged article, number one. Number two, they're starting to lose the minority vote that really they had under lock and key where they weren't allowed to get these things. Uh, The minority communities that... Uh, had high crime rates. Obviously, they had a lot of gun laws to where they weren't allowed to get firearms. But now we see minorities purchasing firearms for their protection because, you know, the whole we're going to defund the police movement that came from the other side of the aisle has driven police out of certain communities. So they're taking matters into their own hands. Democrats don't want them to take the matters into their own hands. So now they're trying to say that the increase in gun purchases of minority communities 
is leading to the increase in suicide rates and increase in homicide rates among those as well. As according to the article, 25% of all black adults now own a firearm, according to the latest research in 2021. That's up 14% from just six years earlier. Gun buying among African Americans has soared in the recent years, according to the article. At the same time, suicide rates have increased among young black men. I mean, I guess you can put the two and two together. Is it the same? Here's the question that they don't answer in this article, by the way. So this is kind of a rhetorical question for you and I. Is it the same region? Is it the same age group? Is it the same people that are purchasing the guns that are showing up in in this data blip that are also showing up in the increase in suicide rates? You can say... African-Americans bought guns, and then young black men are increasing in suicide rates. Are they the same African-American guys that went and went through the background check to buy the gun to go cause the suicide or the homicide? I don't know. Because the last I saw, near 2% of the guns that were actually legally purchased were used and purchased with the intent to actually go cause a crime or cause an issue. The rest of them were either black market or stolen from somebody else. I don't think you want to go through the process of buying an $800 gun, going through a background check to be on the government's radar, to then go and do a crime because you have that firearm. That doesn't make any sense, and most crime indiv- uh, criminals don't do that from the criminals that have been surveyed while in prison that have caused a crime with a firearm. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but these guys are trying to demonize those black communities. You're not allowed to buy firearms. You're not allowed to buy into the whole Second Amendment thing. You're not allowed to go down the road at the NRA and that speech from the conservatives about being able to defend yourself. Because when you have guns, minorities that we try to keep the glass ceiling on, you usually either cause crimes or harm yourself with it because you're either too stupid or ignorant to know how to use it. That's the Democrats' words, not mine. With Andy Hoosier. Andy Hoosier here, reminding you, not only can you listen to The Voice of Reason on your favorite radio station, but also check out the video of the program on TV and online. We're excited to be working with our partners over at OpsLens to bring The Voice of Reason live every day on their website at OpsLens.com, on the OpsLens app that you can download on any of your smartphones, or on any of the OpsLens social media. It's a great network that broadcasts multiple shows promoting truth, reason, and common sense, reaching thousands of viewers every day, all day long. Plus, while you're there, you can always watch some of the best highlights of the show during the weekends or read our latest opinion columns on topical issues of the day. Also, if you want to interact with me during the program, just leave a comment on their social media or the OpsLens app stream. You can always join the live chat rooms, or if it's easier, just email me at network at gmail.com. Again, that's network at gmail.com. This is your show, and we want to hear from you. Why? Because it's time for you to be your own voice of reason in your own community. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite, when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at HoosierReason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or find our contact information at HoosierReason.com. 
Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. You want some more reason throughout the day? Well, now it's easier than ever to find. Here's what you do. Check out the website at HoosierReason.com. There you can find past shows, links to all of our social media, special features, our monthly blogs, and a heck of a lot more. Plus, make sure to check in frequently as we're constantly working to add more goodies that you'll really enjoy. Also, you can always subscribe and follow our social media sites for bonus content, articles that we use on the show, or maybe some additional rants. Yeah, it's all that and so much more. Check it all out at HoosierReason.com. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Wrote, oh, let America be America again. The land that never has been yet, but yet must be the land where everyone is free. Oh, yes, I say it plain. America never was America to me, but I swear this oath, America will be. Wow. I, again, I have no clue what that means. I have, <laughs> I have no clue what he's talking about. Cory Booker, have you gone off the deep end, buddy? Have you lost? I know you're trying to be excited about Americanism and patriotism. It's You guys never do that on the other side of the aisle. In fact, you try and shun America all the time because if you try to be patriotic or nationalist, then you're some kind of right-wing Nazi or something, which that term doesn't even make any sense as well because Nazism, fascism is, again, on the progressive end of the aisle regarding control and big government and regulation over the private sector, and it, it, we could just go on and on. That's another conversation for another time, but dude. The hell are you talking about, man? Now, the big question is, will she actually move forward? And this, according to Politico.com just a, uh, about a half hour ago, was uh, what could happen next? The potential is, is that she could be, it could be a split vote 11 to 11 out of the committee in the Senate. And where do we go from there? Right now, Lindsey Graham went into it thinking like, oh, yeah, I'm going to support her. I'm going to hold hands and sing Kumbaya and work with the Democrats and not look at just partisanship, but really just look at her. Well, now he's getting a lot of pushback, and it's starting to go not in the so good direction for Lindsey Graham there. So I don't think he's going to vote for her, which means it could come down to a 11 to 11 split in the committee, which means what happens then? Well, according to Politico.com, it sounds like they're still going to ram it through. So if worst case scenario, I mean, best case for us just to drag the system out, try and make it as complicated, as difficult as possible. We really need to win over one more Democrat in order for them to say, "Uh uh-uh, ain't going to fly. But I don't know if that's going to happen. They have that top-down, utopian, tyrannical control over their people pretty tightly and uh, pretty sealed up nicely. So I don't think that's going to happen unless, you know, someone does flake, which is why Joe Manchin's really a big savior and really a big hero on that side of the aisle. Got to give him credit for a Democrat, Joe Manchin. Killing it, buddy. Well done. But if this goes down a split 11 to 11 vote in the judiciary panel, what happens? According to Politico.com, the chair, Senator Dick Durbin, would nullify the Senate or would notify the Senate of the tie vote. And there would be a printed record of the tied vote in the panel where they couldn't come to a majority consensus that she needs to go onto the Senate floor. Then majority leader Chuck Schumer, the hack left wing Democrat from New York, would then file what's known as a motion to discharge the committee from further consideration of her nominee. Now, it sounds really nice, but that's really not anything nice because what would happen then was there would be a four-hour debate on the Senate floor about the motion to discharge the committee, saying, you know what, the committee didn't do their job, we're going to get rid of the committee, and we're just going to vote for her fully on the Senate floor as a whole, and then we can actually just approve her without the actual committee. That really says, here's the rules that we play under, 
the rules didn't work out to our favor. So since we didn't get a majority of support, we're just going to throw away the rules. We're going to create new rules and we're just going to disregard what we did before. And we're just going to have a full on vote because we couldn't come to an agreement. That's what that means in layman's terms in the U.S. Senate. There would be a four hour debate which again would come to a potentially split even 50-50 vote with the Republicans and Democrats. The tie-breaking vote from Vice President Kamala Harris would come in and actually break the tie, which according to political they love. They're like, oh yeah, we could see the first black woman Vice President break the tie for the first black woman Supreme Court nominee. There's so much wrong with that conversation, it's not even funny, but we'll just move on from that one from now. And if that happens and they discharge the committee, then they would actually go to a cloture mo- uh, motion to end the debate, where then they would have 30 hours before the confirmation final vote in the U.S. Senate floor to where she would become the Supreme Court Justice of the uh, Supreme Court of the United States. So they have their ways to play the game, to play the system, to ignore their own rules that were set up to be able to try and put red tape and some hurdles in them to make sure that we actually get qualified people and they just seem to ignore those because they have their little loopholes and their workarounds in the system and then we'll still see a katanji brown jackson supreme court justice on the u.s supreme court relatively soon when we come back derek bullen he'll be joining us here for the bottom of the hour here on the voice reason on a friday stay here with andy hoosier Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. You know, when I get off the air every day, the battle for me against limited government, censorship, and even unfactual content is far from over. That's why now I'm so happy to say that the Hoosier Media Network is giving you more opportunity to catch the voice of reason along with other great shows and podcasts. It's been a long time in the works, and now you can finally enjoy more great content, services, and topical shows. We're the safe space for alternative talk, information, and ideas that the mainstream media absolutely hates. From holistic and alternative medicine, discussions on religion and spirituality, hear entertainment shows, and of course yours truly with the voice of reason. Plus, we offer numerous media services, including helping you set up your own podcast, become your own voice of reason, and bring your expertise to any fun issue or topic. For information on all of our shows, links to podcasts, each show website or social media link, or to find out about everything we do to challenge the mainstream establishment, visit our website at HoosierMedia.com. Again, that's HoosierMedia.com, the future of media. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Good golly, this goes by way too fast. Half hour left of the program, rolling right along for a Friday. Happy end of the week to you. We'll get you set for the weekend. And what a week it's been. Not just for the show here, but for just things that are going on. We had the Katanji Brown-Jackson hearings that are all wrapped up. And This is going to be my new favorite audio clip of all time. We're going to snip this up. We're going to use this now for Cory Booker because, I mean, why the hell not? As Lexi Hughes wrote, oh, let America be America again. The land that never (laughs) has been yet, but yet must be the land where everyone is free. Oh, yes, I say it plain. America never was America to me, but I swear this oath, America will be i i have i have no clue i'm lost apparently he's excited about katanji brown jackson going through her thing and uh he was like oh just because you share a birthday with a communist they're going to call you a communist no we're probably going to call somebody a communist if they have communist values i don't know whether she does or not i don't like like 90 percent of what she said 
doesn't mean she's a communist, just means that I don't like what she said on those fronts. If she came out and said, I like the distribution of uh, wealth to other people and taking it, and it's protected by the Constitution, and as a Supreme Court justice, I'm going to support that, then I would call you a communist. Speaking of financial things, let's get into our What's Trending. What do you say? What's Trending Today? So it's kind of a perfect uh, segue into our next guest here, as there's the headline from CNBC today that 57% of U.S. households paid zero federal income tax last year as COVID-19 took the toll on the economy. I know. Again, I find that quite interesting when we just saw the headline that for the first six months of our fiscal budget from October to February in the United States that we saw a record, and I repeat, a record in all of U.S. history, a record for the first six months of a federal budget, federal income revenue coming into the federal government. Again, I ask you, if we saw record revenue come into the government and 57% of households didn't pay federal income tax, where the hell did the money come from? To talk about some of that and more is the perfect guy to talk about it. Is He is the author of the new book, In Defense of Wealth, a modest rebuttal to the charge the, to the charge the rich are bad for society. He's also the CEO of SI Systems ULC. Excited to have on the program with us here, Derek Boland. Derek, how are you, my friend? Andy, I'm great. I love your I love your headlines. Great topic to talk about today. Well, it, it blows my mind when we see the other side of the aisle say the rich need to pay their fair share and corporations need to pay their fair share and Elon Musk and all these rich tech companies, they made so many billions of dollars during the last years with COVID and they didn't pay anything in additional taxes, but yet we see record revenue coming into the government. It's not like it's chipping away at our debt because we're spending more money as well, but we saw record revenue coming in but 57% of households didn't even pay any federal income tax? I mean, I, I don't know how to lay oh. it out any more layman for the other side of the aisle here. Yeah, the rich pay far more than their fair share. The wealthy pay far more than their fair share. You know, um, the U.S. tax income is about $1.6 trillion comes into the government every year from personal income taxes. The top 1% of earners in the United States, they pay the same amount of income taxes as the first 90% of income earners in the United States, which means, you know, everybody, 90% of the population is getting a free ride courtesy of the top 1% to some extent. That is very true. Now, uh, as conservatives, we uh, I love these, and I'm right there with you, and I've studied this stuff forever, and I love reading these numbers. The problem that we have, especially with voters and with constituents, is being able to put an emotional attachment behind that and making them understand the importance of these figures of like that. With 1% really covering 18, 19, 20% of all tax income coming into the government, what does that mean for us? That means right now that if they went away, who would be picking up that slack and how much would that actually mean for us to have to pick up? Oh, yeah, exactly. If you, if you sent the 1% away and said, we want you to go to another country and we want you to pay income tax in another country, you would lose in the United States overnight. You would not be able to fund a third of the roads, a third of the schools, a third of the hospitals, a third of the you know social welfare pro- uh, programs. That would all go away. It's much more profitable for the government of the United States to have a single person earn a million dollars because they're going to have to pay significant tax on that than to have uh, 20 people earn 50 grand each. The government doesn't make much money on taxes on those people anyways. And the government knows that. The government wants the 1% to stay. You know, in uh, France, they brought in a double tax for the wealth. They said, we're just going to tax the wealthy 
1% of their assets that they own. So everything they've already paid for by pre-tax dollars, we want them to pay 1% of that per year. Tax on the wealthy, it'll really help out. Well, over the two decades they had it in place, they made about $26 billion total in new taxes. They lost $125 billion a year, people leaving, wealth creators leaving, and taking their money to their new domiciled residence. You see it with uh, Californians creating a principal residence in Texas or Florida. They can still have their home in California, but now Texas and Florida are the beneficiary of their state income taxes, not California anymore. And uh, someone else has to pick up the tab for all those social services in California as people leave. Yeah, everybody's leaving all over the place. Now, that brings up the next question, is that the government recognizes this, they see it, they don't want it to continue to happen, which is why now we see the Biden administration, along with other countries around the world, pushing for a global corporate tax or a global tax minimum. So that way, no matter where you go, you're stuck paying at least this percentage. And that way it disincentivizes others to leave. Do you think something like that is going to happen? And what countries would jump on no. board with that? Yeah, no, never in a million years. I mean, it's just like two, uh, three shops, you know, sitting in a mall, and, and uh, one of them is going to throw a sale on because they want people to come into their shop, spend money in their shop. Yeah. There will always be countries that will be more competitive to bring, uh, you know, to bring corporations or pieces of corporations in there. Uh, Ireland, through their Irish Development Authority, started in the, in the 1990s. If you located your research and development or a research development uh, contingent, in Ireland, you got a tax, uh, a very low tax rate. I think it was 12% corporate tax for 20 years. And they attracted so many companies, Apple, Logitech, Hitachi, set up corporations in Ireland, and, and it just goosed their economy. So there's always going to be nations competing for wealth creators, competing for the brains of the world. I think we're safe on that one. Yeah. Talk about the importance of job creation when it comes to tax rates and revenue coming in. Obviously, when Trump got elected in 2016, he wasn't even in office yet. He just had his plan of what he was going to do doing rounds of tax cuts, and the economy boomed, and businesses already began to reinvest. Boom. They began to hire people yeah. already. I mean, it was instantaneous, and they tried to put it on Barack Obama and his recovery, but it was kind of laughable. Now we see the Biden administration saying that they're recovering back from COVID-19, creating these 60 million jobs, which is just laughable. But, I mean, there's a major difference, isn't there, between when we talk about cutting and deregulating taxes on corporations and, and quote-unquote, rich people, and then wanting to place more taxes and regulations on them. We can definitely see a change in the private sector, can't we? Oh, definitely. You know, the the poster boy for everything wrong about being rich, which is, it all is always done totally wrong is Amazon. But Amazon is a remarkable, remarkable company. The wealth they create for society, the wealth they create for society in America is phenomenal. First of all, Amazon employs 1.6 million people globally. Imagine how many of those people are investing in their communities, paying tax, buying services. On top of that, in the United States, Amazon invests $42 billion a year in research and development. The spinoff from that is phenomenal. That's two-thirds the budget that Nassau has annually. Amazon's investing, making the United States economy more competitive. That's why they own something like 25,000 patents. But I think the big thing no one talks about in Amazon is when Bezos, you know, uh, his net worth, because he owns 10% of Amazon stock, because he created the company, it wasn't there before Bezos created it, his net worth went up, say, $57 billion. I think it exactly went up $57 billion last year in 2021. What nobody talks about, the other 90% of people that own Amazon, their wealth went up by half a trillion dollars. Wow. And who owns Amazon's? 
banks, insurance companies, governments, institutions, unions. So what nobody talks about is that half trillion that Bezos created for the greater community, for the greater world. If you get uh, home insurance on a fire, if you are getting a pension in California because you're a school teacher or a retired librarian, if um, you're getting strike pay from your union, there's a little bit of Amazon wealth going out in every single one of those transactions. So you're right. Getting businesses make money. Governments just redistribute money, but you need people to make the money first. And uh, that's the entrepreneurs, the CEOs, the wealth creators. Yeah, I'm into that. Government doesn't do anything more than waste it and spend it completely irresponsibly and then try and take more of it. We're talking with Derek Bullen. He is the author of the book In Defense of Wealth, A Modest Rebuttal to the Charge, The Rich Are Bad for Society. Find them online at bullenbooks.com. That's B-U-L-L-E-N-books.com. Your thoughts on uh, if we tried to and we actually had the opportunity to reform tax systems, uh, in not just in the U.S., but in all over, I know you're in Canada, uh, in different systems, what would be better? Would a fair tax be better uh, based on uh, the sales tax and getting rid of federal income tax altogether? Or would a flat tax of a 5 or 10% rate, just a straight flat tax across the board, which of those tax systems would be more beneficial, do you think? You know, Andy, I, I don't really know which would be beneficial, but I think the wealthy, nobody in the wealthy begrudges the uh, rising income taxes that the more you make, the more you pay, up to a point. When it gets to 50%, it's getting a little bit onerous, where yeah. you're saying, I have to work the first six months of the year for the government, and then I get to work six months for myself. And up to there, I think it's okay, and, and everybody's good with that, and contributing more to society. I have more. I don't mind contributing more. But when it's more than 50%, I think it doesn't work. So whether it's a flat tax, a wealth tax, um, I don't know. But the current system is okay. But when it becomes a double tax or beyond 50%, uh, on the Laffer curve, you can actually see that government revenues go down and uh, people migrate. You have tax uh, exiles and people just say, I will go and, and provide my efforts and I'll create wealth for somebody who has agreed not to double tax me or not to take more than half. Yeah, that's a great point. Dirk, we got to take a hard break here. Can you stick over one more segment with us? Absolutely. Uh, awesome. Pleasure. I love it. I love this conversation. I, I, I always enjoy this kind of talk. When we come back, I want to talk about uh, right now we're seeing all over the place massive inflation rates here in the U.S., especially 7.5-8% inflation rates. Biden said that the middle Americans, middle-class Americans, anybody making less than $400,000 wouldn't be paying more in taxes. Don't know if that's necessarily true or not. So we'll talk about some of that and how we get out of some of this mess when we come back with Derek Bullen. In Defense of Wealth is the book. Back after this here on The Voice of Reason on a Friday. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Andy Hoosier here reminding you not only can you listen to The Voice of Reason on your favorite radio station, but also check out the video of the program on TV and online. We're excited to be working with our partners over at OpsLens to bring The Voice of Reason live every day on their website at OpsLens.com, on the OpsLens app that you can download on any of your smartphones, or on any of the OpsLens social media. It's a great network that broadcasts multiple shows promoting truth, reason, and common sense, reaching thousands of viewers every day, all day long. Plus, while you're there, you can always watch some of the best highlights of the show during the weekends or read our latest opinion columns on topical issues of the day. Also, if you want to interact with me during the program, just leave a comment on their social media or the OpsLens app stream. You can always join the live chat rooms, or if it's easier, just email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com. Again, that's HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com. This is your show, and we want to hear from you. Why? Because it's time for you to be your own voice of reason in your own community. 
Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. You want some more reason throughout the day? Well, now it's easier than ever to find. Here's what you do. Check out the website at HoosierReason.com. There you can find past shows, links to all of our social media, special features, our monthly blogs, and a heck of a lot more. Plus, make sure to check in frequently as we're constantly working to add more goodies that you'll really enjoy. Also, you can always subscribe and follow our social media sites for bonus content, articles that we use on the show, or maybe some additional rants. Yeah, it's all that and so much more. Check it all out at HoosierReason.com. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite, when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at HoosierReason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or find our contact information at HoosierReason.com. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a Friday. We have a laundry list of things to get to next week on the program, so don't miss out on a single bit of it. Also, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Now that we've had some interesting guests on it, which we always have some really awesome guests on the show, but we had a bit of a controversial one on yesterday with Dr. Robert Malone. I, apparently, people are still having a hard time finding it on some of the apps, so if you do have a hard time, let me know. But it is on there. You can find it. You're just not getting notified if you are subscribed uh, to listen to it because I don't think they want you to. I mean, come on. That's one that they took down off of Joe Rogan's podcast, isn't it? With Dr. Malone. Uh, crazy times. So if you have problems finding it, we can send it to you. We're also going to make a video of that since we do the video live stream. We're going to chop that up as a uh, one to put on social media as well and see how long that one lasts. Ha! See how long that goes. But... Uh, We have some awesome stuff coming up for you next week as well. We're killing it to wrap up the week right here as we talk about ways to be aware of the games that they try to play financially with us now that we hear the Biden administration wanting to regulate cryptocurrencies because, by golly, you're trading and making money and we're not getting involved in it. we got to do something about that. I also saw a headline, and Derek, you can fill me in a little bit on this one too. I had seen a headline, was it this week or last week, that the IRS predicts that there's nearly half of the GDP or some massive amount, like trillions of dollars that is in the private sector that's not being taxed right now because businesses and individuals have found workarounds to not have to uh, show it to the government, which is why they want to expand the IRS by two to three times in size, which is why they want to uh, try and do more audits into the private sector because they're thinking that they're missing out on trillions of dollars of revenue coming into the government. I don't know how that's even possible. Not, not possible at all. I think it's just a cover to get more auditors in the field. I think the, the IRS and in Canada is the CRA. They're very intimidating. And for the average person, or say you're a small business owner and you're running a quarter shop and you've got three employees, when the IRS comes in, you, you are fighting against City Hall. And it's a very expensive thing to mount a defense. And I don't know what it's like in Canada but in, or in the United States, but in Canada, if you want to fight against the tax assessment that an auditor has put in, you have to pay half of what they claim is owing just to have the, have the right to uh, file back. But it's very expensive to fight the IRS. And more auditors is just a tax grab. And I think that there's a high percentage of small business owners that just cave and uh, pay what the IRS is saying. And it's kind of like a shakedown. Wow. 
It's really sad. Uh, we had teased going into the break that right now inflation rates, at least here in the U.S., are right around right. 7.5%, 8% inflation. I, I'm no expert. I didn't. I went to college for four years. I dropped out after two, so I'm not one of those college-educated guys. But my understanding is that if you're paying more for the same product because of government inflation and the loss of value of the dollar, wouldn't that mean that you're actually paying more in taxes because you're paying more for the same item that you used to pay less for? Oh, absolutely. It's an invisible tax. It's a very, it's a very good tax for the government. It's an invisible tax. And when a government finds themselves in debt, they do want to inflate the inflate the currency so that the debt that they're paying is getting smaller and smaller in retrospect. Now, inflation's always around. Normally, it's around 2%, and it had been notionally around 2%. The government started printing money, and that didn't cause inflation. What caused inflation is your government, the Canadian government, some other governments started to give people income for no work. So productivity just dropped. It was a dip towards the, the scale towards socialism. And as soon as you do that, who is paying? Who's paying for these people to sit on their couch, eat Doritos? Well, you know, the few of us that can work continue to work. And so your government, our government has these massive debts from the overreaction to the COVID uh, pandemic. And now the thing is, is getting people back to work. We need higher productivity in order to get rid of the inflation. Governments don't get rid of inflation. Uh, businesses, wealth creators do. And if you look at uh, countries that go fully socialist, like uh, Venezuela, Venezuela in 2020 had they didn't have seven percent inflation. They had 10 million percent inflation. That's what happens in a socialist uh, economy. The the inflation was so bad, bread became so expensive. The average Venezuelan has lost 26 pounds over the COVID pandemic, not because of COVID, because of malnutrition and poverty. I think 90% of them are below the poverty line. So yeah. it's up to business wealth creators to get us out of this inflation mess. And it, it's it's a normal, natural cycle for governments who have large debt loads to decrease their debt loads. Derek, I really don't want to have to resort to eating zoo animals because we can't find any food on the shelves. Exactly. <laughs> I right? think that's coming exactly. at some point. It is In Defense of Wealth, A Modest Rebuttal to the Charge, The Rich Are Bad for Society is the book. Go and check it out. You can find his books at bullenbooks.com. It's on Amazon as well. Yes, go go there. Check it out on Amazon. Also the website, bullenbooks.com. Derek, it's great to talk to you, my friend. I love these conversations. We've got to get you back on again soon. Love it, Andy. Anytime. Hey, appreciate that very much. That does it for us today. Podcast up in just a little bit. Back at it. Got a lot more to get to next week. Until then, be your own voice of reason. It's time for you to be the catalyst in your own community. Be that change. Be that voice to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. You know, when I get off the air every day, the battle for me against limited government, censorship, and even unfactual content is far from over. That's why now I'm so happy to say that the Hoosier Media Network is giving you more opportunity to catch the voice of reason along with other great shows and podcasts. It's been a long time in the works, and now you can finally enjoy more great content, services, and topical shows. We're the safe space for alternative talk, information, and ideas that the mainstream media absolutely hates. From holistic and alternative medicine, discussions on religion and spirituality, hear entertainment shows, and of course yours truly with the voice of reason. Plus, we offer numerous media services, including helping you set up your own podcast, become your own voice of reason, and bring your expertise to any fun issue or topic. For information on all of our shows, links to podcasts, each show website or social media link, or to find out about everything we do to challenge the mainstream establishment, visit our website at HoosierMedia.com. Again, that's HoosierMedia.com, the future of media.